The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower because nobody else volunteered. I'm here today with somebody that I'm actually physically meeting for the first time, but I've known for a while. Carol Bernard runs a company slash website called Gavology, which is part of Waypoint America. Carol, welcome to show, man. Oh, thank you, Mark, and thanks for having me today. Hey, my pleasure. Um, so let's start with your background. Govology is a uh, uh, an info platform, but I want to go back to the beginning. Info platform for smalls and newbies. You were in the Navy for eight rather interesting years. Yes, sir. Tell me about <laughs> that and tell me what you did. Well, actually, I had uh, two periods of duty, actually. So I was enlisted for about four years. Uh, actually, I first enlisted back in 92 I was a signalman, did some visual communication, got out, and the the uh, there was not much of a demand for Morse code in the civilian world. So really, yeah, I don't know well, why the internet wasn't cooking too much. Right? Then, Maybe uh, back in the day when you were still doing telegraphs. Over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I got out went went to college. I uh, got out and uh, said, "What am I going to do with my life now?" And got a business degree and uh, looked at the Navy again and went back in as a supply officer in the Navy. So that okay. was kind of really my first jump into the acquisition community back about 2001. And and you were deployed where? Uh, well, it was interesting. So I was on a, a minesweeper uh, right out of supply school. And uh, so I got to the ship in about November of 2002. And in January of 2003, uh, we deployed in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom, and our mission was to do some minesweeping operations at the northern approach of the Suez Canal. So that was uh, an interesting time. I have to imagine it was. Um, so you, you got your feet wet as supply officer. So you, you come out and you take a dive into the Veterans Administration. Yes. So what did you do there? Yeah, so that was interesting uh, in, in the VA I got hired there, and I was doing um, contracting, of course. I uh, was a contracting officer there. Uh, initially, I was doing a lot of different types of procurements, but um, actually there was a period of time from the time I got out of the Navy to the time I went to the VA where I was actually working with my local city government in procurement and was on the construction team. And so uh, the VA put me back on the construction team since I knew the construction acquisition. And so uh, that's mostly what I did at the VA there. So from there to the VA, uh, contract specialist. Now, as a contract specialist, first, were you there when Scott Denniston was still the Ostabu at, at uh, VA? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, did you ever have any interactions with Scott? No, not until I got out and okay, I, I yeah. saw him at the 8A conference last year. Yeah, yeah. And very interesting guy and doing some very cool stuff with veteran Absolutely. Businesses. So at, at VA, what was you were a contract specialist, mm -hmm. but what interactions did you have with Smalls at that time, if any? Yeah, mostly just awarding the contracts, and and the small businesses would call us up and 
hey, we want to do business with you. And so I said, okay, well, you know, watch FBO. But uh, one of the things that a lot of the small businesses didn't really see at the time, and, and I was right there when we did our first Maytok contract. So before that, we were doing acquisition a little bit of, of a different way. So then they started consolidating under the Maytok contract. And, and I think that's a big blind spot for small businesses where they don't see that sometimes just to get a $5,000 project, you have to win a $50 million contract because the task orders under that contract were 2000 to $2 million. Right. So I saw a lot of businesses struggling to understand how to really break in. And at the same time, I saw some small businesses that were really doing very good. But I would also see these larger players that were kind of showing up at the job site. And I'm like, they're a big business. How are they doing this? And so I didn't really understand at the time some of the teaming and how the, all of that worked from just to the contracting perspective. So that was kind of the first piece where I realized something interesting is kind of happening here where you have two sides of the small business worlds, you know, some folks that couldn't figure it out and some people that were doing very well with uh, some larger players uh, backing them up. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you just did a teaming presentation at a PTAC event. Yes. yes. So we'll get into that in a while. So from VA to the SBA, the small side must have attracted you somehow. Yes. um, You know, I've always been – an entrepreneurial person, and uh, uh, the whole government acquisition was just really interesting to me. I really uh, was interested when this position came open at the SBA in the Portland District Office, and so I applied, and uh, I got the position, and I was excited to go in and and be able to work with a lot of small businesses. Uh, But the first thing I had to do is really get more of the industry side knowledge, because I had a lot of contracting knowledge, and your book was actually one of the first books I bought. So I'm like, oh, what's Mark <laughs> Maptower have to say about this? So it's interesting that I'm sitting here today. And so I, uh, I picked that book up and uh, a few other good books and started educating myself. And one of the first things I noticed is that outside of the publications that were out there, there was not a lot of training online. In fact, I paid $500 out of my own pocket to get four essential webinar sessions, which were not that great. Yeah, you know. as as you know, being a producer of webinars right. now, some are somewhat better than right. others, and Absolutely. some just suck. Yeah, <laughs> right. All they do yeah. is suck money out of your wallet. Absolutely. Uh, great titles, though. Great titles. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. No delivery. That's right. And yeah, as we did this, in 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 terms of trying to not only reach out because. We were up in Portland, and there was businesses in the in this, uh, southern part of Oregon where we wouldn't always be able to make it out and see them. So we started doing some webinars to really try to, number one, get some training out to people that were in places further away. And, right. you know, they ne- they don't want to drive two hours to come and see a 60-minute presentation. And number two, business owners are busy working. And so when we can put things on demand, it makes it nice because uh, the business owners can come in and, and look at things on their own time. And, and in fact, I actually just saw a statistic on, on GoToWebinar the other day that uh, like 84% of business owners prefer the on-demand sessions. Well, the, the, the time factor for going to anything, I don't care where you live, there's always a drive time. Here in D.C., the drive time can be prohibitive. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I was at an event yesterday and the registration, uh, Continental started at seven. The event started at eight. People were filtering in nine thirty, ten o'clock because the traffic yeah. was just terrible. Yeah. And it is what it is. I don't know what it is up in, in your neck of the woods. Yeah. But we're terrible. <laughs> it's not as bad as it is here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, good luck getting to your plane on time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave early. I'll call them and tell them to hold it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, they, they listen to me. So, But, but at SBA, you probably had a, a pretty significant learning curve because you're not just devoted to uh, companies that want to do government contracting. You, you have every small business in the world, and in, in your area, there's probably thousands of them. Mm-hmm. You know, family farm is a small business. Right. So, um, so what was the learning curve like there? Well, it was very interesting because, um, you know, as I mentioned, I wasn't all that uh, up on some of the things that were going on just in terms of the, the teaming which was a big eye-opener for me. And so my primary role when I got there was uh, a business development specialist, and they changed that name back to business opportunity specialist. It was originally uh, a BOS to begin with. But my primary role was managing and working with the 8A firms. And at the time, there was the mentor-protege program, which Mm -hmm. was only available for 8A firms. Right. And I saw something very interesting because a lot of the big draw to the 8A program is the sole source contracting aspect of, of right. it. What I have recognized is that, wow, what was happening within the mentor-protege program when it was done right uh, was amazing. And watching some of these small 8A firms just explode with having the right partner in place, in my opinion, I saw the mentor-protege program as a more powerful aspect of the 8A business development program than even the sole source contracting aspect of it. And so that's where, you know, fast forward, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about the all small program, but uh, I just think that's such a great benefit. At the same time, that was right at the end of the big recession. And the other thing that I think that's something that, you know, just a, a level of awareness for all small businesses out there, why would you want to get involved with this marketplace? And uh, back in that day, Everybody was flocking because there was the ARA spending, the Recovery Act spending. So everybody was trying to get involved. And I saw some interesting things. On one side of the house, some of the smalls that were already positioned and had their foot in the door had their best years ever. In fact, exceeded their size standards. In fact, the MATOC contract, which was set to go for five years at the VA, we had to recompete it halfway through because we were Everybody pushing graduated. so much work. Yeah, either they outgrew their small business size standard or we were pushing so much work to them that they said, I can't take anymore. So we literally had to mid-contract recompete that to get more vendors in the pool. So on one side, it was going gangbusters for government contractors, mm-hmm. where on the other side, some of the new small businesses were really trying to get involved, but you just can't snap your fingers and be involved with government work and be positioned at all the right places. Right. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here with Carol Bernard. You can find Carol at on LinkedIn first, two R's, two L's, or on uh, at, at govology, G-O-V-O-L-O-G-Y dot com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here with Carol Bernard, 
Uh, he is the president of Waypoint America, uh, which runs Govology.com, which is an information platform for small contractors uh, and for PTACs. But uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Let's continue your journey because the you know what what you were doing at SBA was intriguing mm-hmm. is intriguing to me. What SBA does still intrigues me, right? Because uh, sometimes I agree and sometimes I don't. But that's beside the point. So you're you're there for how long were you there? Well, actually, I was only at the SBA for one year. Okay, <laughs> and uh, well, I started developing some neck and shoulder pain, so the desk job was getting to be tough. And uh, I got a call from the local PTAC, and they said, "Hey, do you know any contracting types that might like to work for the PTAC?" Uh, which the Procurement Technical Assistance Center, for those folks who don't know, is a uh, organization. Oh, hopefully the PTAC yeah. is an acronym my listeners would know. Right. So, yeah, I said, well, yeah, actually, I do know somebody. And I, I always really loved working with small businesses. And uh, unfortunately, when I was at the SBA, there was so much administration that I had to do. I didn't really have as much time as I wanted to to be able to dedicate to the one-on-one. The yes. And so it was really a great opportunity. And I've always, like I said, been very entrepreneurial. And so uh, it was a part-time position. And so uh, in um, uh, 2011, uh, 2012 timeframe, I I left the SBA and then went off and uh, became part-time PTAC counselor. And I launched Waypoint America at the time in, in 2012. And at that time, we didn't have the Govology training platform online yet, so I was just doing a little bit of consulting uh, work in, uh, outside of the PTAC, uh, working with the city of Vancouver, uh, going back to support their mission. Uh, they, they needed some support there. But then uh, during that time, also, I picked up an, another interesting gig. Uh, back in 2012, uh, 2011 timeframe, the SBA rolled out the Small Business uh, Teaming Pilot Program. And uh, so I came on with a grantee that received uh, one of the grants in my local area uh, to be a, a consultant and, and an educator uh, to help the small businesses team up to go after larger federal contracts. So that was a very interesting uh, time as well. So I got to get some more exposure, you know, back when I was at the Lots SBA. Lots of hands-on, yeah. Right, you know, so I was kind of like the guy that was kind of reviewing some of the mentor-protege agreements as they would come through on the 8A side. But then when I stepped into that side of the fence, it was trying to team up small businesses together. And at that time, the way the laws were written, it made it very difficult to do it. And the program was defined in that the SBA said, we want two or more small businesses to team up to go after larger federal contracts. And those larger federal contracts were defined as ones that were greater than half the size standard of the NICS code. So those were pretty big contracts. And on top of that, the law was not in place yet where if you had like, a, let's just say construction was $36 million size standard, if you had two $20 million firms, those would not qualify because back in the day when you would combine the two small revenues, they would go over the size standard. So now there's some laws that have changed that allows the small businesses, as long as they're both under the size standard. Right. So it was extremely hard for us to really – put teams together, but we figured it out and we did it. But it was, uh, if that program was alive today, it would be a lot better. We would be able to make a lot more teams out of it. Well, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) 
this was it was a pilot program. Yeah, and is no longer. <clears throat> but uh, after a while, you you moved up to uh, a business counselor at the mm-hmm. PTAC. Yes, was that sir. full? It was still part time. Okay. I, I stayed on part time um, pretty much my whole time and and continued to develop the business. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was back at the SBA, I also saw a big opportunity to put together some training online. And this had kind of stuck with me as I transitioned over to the PTAC world because I could counsel people, but there's so much that needs to be trained on out there. And literally, uh, we would do sessions, local events again. And, um, you know, sometimes, for example, proposal writing training. I mean, we may do that like once a year. Mm-hmm. And if you were not able to get to that proposal writing training, well, your wait, option is to pretty much year. fly here to D.C. Yeah. and find a class. It's been, you know, a few thousand dollars and on the flight here in the hotel and then getting into the class and everything. And so uh, I just saw this need to get really more training online. And so that's when we launched Govology in 2015. And so we do weekly webinars there and then we bring those on demand and we make them available so that uh, business owners who are busy – come in and get the training that they need. Mm-hmm. And we've got a pretty good uh, breadth of topics all the way from uh, compliance to business development to LinkedIn marketing yep. yeah, to cybersecurity. And so uh, we're really trying to give a good broad base of knowledge for not just the business developer type of person that's out there, but the, the whole team, because the accountant might need to know some things. Just a few. Right. Yeah. I mean, you and I swap stories on this. I had uh, a guy once, you know, four or five million dollar product company wants to come in. Uh, so I, I, I don't do the back end stuff, but I can lay it out for you. Right. And his, his response was, well, I don't do it that way. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, well, gee, let me let me call the government and have them adjust their uh, their method of operation. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, really. Yeah. You know, yeah. They'll fit you, yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's going to lead into a whole segment, but we're not there yet. So when you left the PTAC, which is around 15 mm-hmm. also, yes. uh, Waypoint is now full-time. Right. Govology is kicking off. Right. Who was your first uh, interview? Wow. I remember. That's <laughs> four years ago, man. Yeah, my first interview that's a tough one. Actually, we had a lady that was doing some proposal writing training with us okay. uh, back in the day, and uh, her name was uh, Lorraine Dignazio. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, and yeah. so uh, she was in the market for a long time, so she was actually one of the first uh, ones. I initially was doing uh, most of the training myself, mm-hmm. but then you know, I'm not an expert on every, uh, yeah. every area, so I collaborate with other experts, uh, try to find some of the best uh, presenters in the country, and- and uh, give them a little smoozing to get online with us. <laughs> and uh, well, and uh, well, hopefully we can bring some of the, the yeah. best people online. And um, we, we did that dance for a while. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, Guy Timberlake and Steve Coprins right. uh, first told me about you. Yeah. So you were on my radar, and I forget how we first hooked up, if I reached out or, or what. But um, – you know, you've you've got some really talented people there. Our, our buddy Jenny Clark mm-hmm. down in Florida, Josh Frank, who's yeah. in Mid America somewhere, right? Uh, St. Louis, is he? Yeah, I was going to call him Kansas boy, <laughs> but but no, no. Josh Josh is great. Yeah. Um, 
So you, you, you've got, and I don't know who else is on. Uh, I did the one with you. We'll talk about doing some more. Mm-hmm. So how how many, one a week you're doing now? Yeah, sometimes we take a little break. So it's not every week, but uh, mostly every week. So uh, right now we're doing about three webinars every month. Okay. So then typically have a little break, but cool. we Go may ahead. end up uh, going weekly again because you know we're just actually uh, uh, fortunately having a lot of uh, presenters who want to come on and and be a part of Govology, which is really awesome. Well, hopefully this will help uh, add add a little fuel to that fire. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, but you know the your your point earlier, you can't be an expert in everything. You know, I do the marketing side, and I I struggle to stay at or near the edge of that. Um, so my inner circle is people who do every other aspect of GovCon. Yeah. And they're people I know, I trust, I like, and they know that if I send them somebody, they best treat them well and, and respond quickly. Absolutely. Because uh, you don't get to stay in the circle unless That's right. you do. The M Tower um, circle of trust. Well, it, you know, yeah. it's important because Absolutely. it reflects back on me yes. if they drop the I'm ball. I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm the same way. It, it, it's frightening. And, yeah. and you're still talking to me. Yeah, so. that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's go ahead and take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm having fun here with Carol. I hope you're learning something. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here today with with Carol Bernard of Waypoint America and Govology. Uh, Govology.com has about a ton and a half of webinars primarily but not exclusively designed for smalls and newbies. Uh, is that pretty accurate? Yeah. You know, though it's it's been interesting because I really – we started our niche and we have a lot of stuff online that's um, for small businesses. But we – it's interesting that when you look at the audience, uh, we've had large contractors uh, on with us and watching our, our webinars. We've had government agencies – I don't know if somebody wants to get out of the government and be a contractor, but uh, it's it's very interesting the the diverse nature of some of the folks that come on and watched training with us. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, if you have the right procurement people, I can understand why government would want to yeah. tap in because they want to see what it looks like from the other side. Right. I always enjoy speaking at the uh, Association for Proposal Management Professionals because I get to see. You know, when I sit in their other sessions when I'm speaking, I, I get to see, you know, what issues they're facing. Then when I speak at NCMA, I get to see what the 1102s are, are dealing with. Yeah, um, so it's, it's pretty cool. But let's talk about problems that, that small business, somebody calls you on the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, give, give me a rundown of a couple of typical problems. I think a typical problem is that they just don't see the big picture. And what I mean by that, I actually have a marketing presentation where I talk about trying to understand this big picture, and, and I, I have a little graphic uh, I developed called the Acquisition Pyramid. So if you look at FAR Part 8 and they say, hey, here's where, if you're a contracting officer, the first place we want you to look is if we have something in inventory or under an existing contract. And so what a lot of the small businesses, I believe, don't see is that they get registered at SAM and then they go in there on FBO 
And then they get a phone call from some jerk in front. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and then they're 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 looking at the opportunities. They're waiting for something to come into their email. Maybe they set up some search agents, or maybe they've set up a bid matching service. But they're just not seeing things, and then they're scratching their heads, saying, "I know the government has to be doing more work than this." And what they don't see is that if there's a contract vehicle that's higher up the food chain. So if the government agency has an IDIQ contract vehicle in place where they can go to a pool of vendors, that's where they're going to go. Toss out that task order. That's right. And so when I was at the VA, probably when you were a small business calling me up, I said, well, just keep an eye on FBO. And yeah, when that MATOC came open for recompete, that's where we would put it. But once we closed Tell it- Tell people what the MATOC was. So MATOC is an acronym. It stands for a, a multiple award task order contract. And so essentially the VA said, hey, we're doing construction projects all the time, you know, but we don't want to have to go to FBO every time to compete it because, it, you know, we have to have it, you know, 15 days in pre-solicitation, 30 days in the solicitation phase, so 45 days on the street, then you're subject to protest and all of these things. So we're going to put a contract in place. We're going to have a competition once every five years. And then we're going to award to a multiple pool of vendors. So at the time, uh, we did our first MATOC when I was over there at the VA. And we awarded that to 12 vendors. And those 12 vendors then, once that MATOC closed up, 95% of our work went to those 12 vendors. So the only time we would typically put things on FBO is when those vendors didn't want to bid on the projects. And so it's kind of, in a way... You know, if you're just waiting for things to trickle out, it's right. like the crumbs. Some people like the crumbs, though. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But if you really wanted to position yourself to be where the 95% of the task orders were happening, uh, and, and essentially that's how it worked. So basically, every contract was a little bit different. So the MATOC was a $50 million MATOC, but the task orders ranged from 2000 to $2 million. And that's the other irony of all of this is that you might be a small business out there and say, well, I don't want a $50 million contract. But if you want a $5,000 project, you might have to win the $50 million contract just to position yourself to, to be able to compete order. for a $5,000 <clears throat> project. And, and all of the ranges up therein up to $2 million in our case. Right. There's a lot of different agencies have $99 million contracts and then the task orders or delivery orders that get issued against those are smaller in size. And so then, but you're competing up against a much smaller pool of competitors. Right. And doesn't have to go out to open bid. Right. Which is, can be a nightmare. Right. And the challenging thing for a lot of businesses is that they just sit there and wait. And then when they see these things hit FBO, it's just, well, I can't go after a $50 million contract. And they don't have the experience. They don't have the performance that they need. A lot of them in, in construction don't have the bonding that they need. And that's where now we're connecting dots here in terms of going back to what I saw happen back at the SBA and the power of teaming. And when the larger firms are supporting the smaller firms on things like giving them the backup experience and past performance that the government was looking for, helping them bond projects helping them write proposals. It's really amazing on some of the support that the large, larger firms are giving to some of the smaller businesses. It doesn't always have to be a large firm, but mm. it could be a large or small. Right. 
very important program if you want to step up to that level in the acquisition pyramid. Yeah. So let me ask, uh, uh, do you have product companies that call and say, I have something the government really needs? Yeah. Frequently? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And, and you say, sorry, I'm not here right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I've had Lord knows how many of those. Some I've been quite successful with, but normally my answer is you don't want to sell directly to the government. Right. Let's find a channel partner that sells into the market you need to reach. This way, number one, you don't have to hold your own contract, which is pain in the butt for smalls right. or can be unless you really want to be a player. Uh, number two, they have the audience. They have the salespeople. They have the vehicles in place. Right. Uh, all you have to do is get their attention. So you better be a tight fit right. because those big fat catalogs out there like Gauls or Uline or any of the, you know, the really right. biggies, uh, Uline's not going to take anyway because they make all their own stuff. Yeah. But Gauls does a lot of stuff from other people. Yeah. But if you're not a tight fit, they don't care. Right. You know, if you're so niche, you're going to be making 50 or 100 grand a year, which might be pretty good for you. It's not worth their time to stick you on their site and in their book. Right. So how do you deal with those people? What what advice do you give them? Yeah, and you make a, a good point there because if you want to actually get position in the acquisition pyramid, you can do one of two things. You can either pursue as a prime and maybe get somebody to back you up mm -hmm. or you can get onto a team. And, and that's a challenge a lot of times too. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of uh, courses on Govology where we talk – about best value a lot and really what is the truth about the best value in terms of if you're a business and you've got an item to supply, you know, like if you want to supply a medical product, you know, well, Cardinal Health kind of has the market on that, you know, so your job is to basically go to Cardinal and say, hey, here's why we have an awesome product that you're going to be able to make some money on and it's, it's really a great product and so then the process is getting on with them so that right. they can on-sell that to their distribution network through the government. Exactly. So that that might be an interesting uh, uh, webinar for us. How do you bring a product to market if you really that would be very shouldn't be? Right. Uh, I'd love to do that with you too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I deal with it all the time and I'm very fortunate. I was, I was at least as well-known in the B2B catalog world in the 90s. Uh, because I spoke at a lot of their events, and the reason I was there is the uh, back then the impact now SmartPay card was you, you could do a lot of open market selling. Mm -hmm. So that shifted, uh, although the uh, the micro purchase threshold is now actually useful. Right. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I would bring in catalog companies into the market, totally open market, full margins, you know, like forty percent. Yeah. And I'd ramp them up to ten, fifteen, twenty million dollars a year. Yeah. And and it was great. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> they awesome. loved it. Right. But I I had those relationships yeah. and I've maintained those relationships largely through LinkedIn. Yeah. That's um, awesome. We'll go to the next problem after the break because I'm having too much fun. All right. Um, <laughs> This is going fast, man. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Uh, Carol and I will be back in a couple minutes to wrap up. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here with Carol Bernard, 
of <clears throat> Govology, and you can find them at govology.com. That's where you can find information on the consulting side of his business, Waypoint America. Uh, and and as he noted earlier, he is a veteran, so uh, so uh, Carol, thanks so much for your service. Yeah, thank you so much. Greatly Mark. appreciated. Um, especially dodging all them mines. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> well, they say uh, uh, every ship can be a minesweeper at least one time. There you go. Um, Navy jokes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like – The listeners uh, might have to think about that one for a while. Uh, operators say, why are you jumping out of a perfectly good airplane? Right. <laughs> so lots lots of in-jokes yeah. for uh, for military types. Right. So – uh, let's let's do the umbrella for for smalls. Uh, walk us through the all small program. Yeah. So what's happened in the last uh, really three years is pretty amazing. And you know, one of the things I wanted to do here today, Mark, is just to really bring about an awareness of really what's happened because I, I think that a lot of people have not gotten the memo because what's happened is that program that we talked about earlier that only used to be within the eight A program. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically in 2016 has become available for all small businesses. And in fact, regardless as, of set aside, right? So all okay. small businesses can now participate in the SBA's all small mentor protege program. What is the real big benefit of this? And so like, why would I want to get involved with this? Well, here's the thing. A small business cannot team up with an other than small. Like if it's a medium business or if it's a large business, a small business, well, let me take that back. They can team, but they cannot joint venture without being what's called affiliated. And once they're affiliated, of course, the government combines both of their revenues and they go over the size standard and they're not eligible for the small business set aside. What the All Small Mentor-Protégé program does, and the SBA's All Small in particular, because there's a couple of other mentor-proteges out there, but this one in particular allows a small business, once they're approved with their mentor, to subsequently form a joint venture with that mentor. And this is huge because, I mean, well, if you were able to get them on your team, a company like Microsoft could be your JV partner, owning 49% of that JV, and helping you pursue opportunities in the small business set-aside marketplace. I mean, and that is an amazing advantage. And it's two things. And, you know, Steve Coprince and myself, uh, we're, we're doing a teaming uh, masterclass in, in next year. But uh, one of the things that, you know, Stephen said is that, that this is really going to be a game-changer for small businesses. And that game-changer goes in two ways. If you're Finding those partners that you can do these, get a mentorship with and do a joint venture with, that's going to really help you level up your game, give you the experience, the past performance that you might have lacked, uh, the proposal writing, uh, the whole nine yards. Um, But if you're not, well, what's going to happen now? In 2016 to 2018, about 500 small businesses joined the SBA's All Small Mentor Protege program. So I'm like, why is it taking so long for people to do this? This is such a wonderful opportunity. And I think that a lot of people might have seen this come out in the news and they didn't recognize. You know, it's like maybe it's another one of these level the playing field programs that maybe doesn't have that much teeth to it. Well, they also may have heard rumors about Mm -hmm. the prior mentor protege and there was pluses and minuses there as well. That's right. And only the minuses got news. That's right. And, you know, 
people get into these programs sometimes and it doesn't work out. They have a bad experience with it. But the thing is, is that since last year, about 2018 to now, that has doubled. So it's almost a thousand firms in the program now. So what's going to happen out there, you know, and you guys have talked on on this network many times about the consolidation and the, the challenge for small businesses to really play at the next level. Well, this is something that's going to help them play at the next level. But the other thing that's going to be a big disadvantage to businesses is like if if you're not leveraging the large partner on your team and your competitor is, well, it's kind of like you may be bringing a knife to a gunfight, right? Because it's like you've got your small team and they've got my small team and I've got Microsoft or some other. It doesn't have to be a Microsoft. It could be a nice, right. strong, medium-sized business. Right. But There's a lot, a lot of solid mid-tier government right. contractors. Yeah. But small businesses need to understand that, you know, your competitors may be larger than they appear, right? Yeah. So – yeah, so, that's the message. Okay, so they can find the all small business uh, uh, program at SBA, right? SBA.gov. They just uh, type in all small in the search box, right? As uh, SBA's all small mentor protege program. We also actually have some uh, free webinars that we're doing right now. Uh, the landing page for that is at team.govology.com. Okay. If they want to join in and, and get more information about how that program has progressed throughout the years mm-hmm. and what we're doing now to help to support small businesses who really have trouble finding a mentor and a teaming partner. Cause that's another challenge for small businesses, really just finding the right partners out there. Right. Yeah. And getting them to, to come in and be a partner with them. It's like courting and you're dating and trying to get married to somebody eventually, but yeah. you don't want to go to the bar to do that. You might want to have a different approach. And so, yeah. Try to educate them on really how they can find good partners out there. Cool. All right. I'm going to shift gears here. Um, I want to know how you uh, use social media to promote Govology. Social media is huge, and, and we're getting more and more into this, Mark. And I got to tell you, um, I really appreciate you coming on and doing the LinkedIn for GovCon uh, that you, we did earlier this year, and we still have that program on demand for folks who want to get I'll, access I'll, to that. I'll put the uh, link to that yeah, on the uh, radio page. So, But it's so important, and uh, I got a lot out of it too uh, because I was never really a, a LinkedIn guru, but I know that LinkedIn is the place to be now. I mean, and there's Facebook and there's Twitter, but I think for B2B and government contractors, uh, LinkedIn is the thing. And and we're going to start more and more. We've been doing some things on LinkedIn, uh, posting some uh, articles, um, doing some information, trying to get the word out out there, connecting with folks. Uh, but next year, we're going to be ramping up our own efforts a lot more to uh, connect in with government contractors out there. And um, just really to – it's just a really great informational platform, too, to kind of really – uh, and like you mentioned, establish yourself as a as an influencer, as a thought leader, as a subject matter expert. And I know you've talked a lot about the SME value. Yeah, the the subject matter expert. You know, if if you have an area of strength and you're not clearly enunciating it, um, you're 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 losing business. Right. Period. So you guys, your area of expertise, your strength is really helping that that newbie slash small community understand the landscape and I'm not, you know 
I I tried it a little bit in the beginning of selling to the government, mm-hmm. but it was in kind of a backhanded way. I said, you know, 90% of the companies coming into the market are going to leave in the first year. Mm-hmm. What I didn't say, and maybe I did, uh, they'll blame anybody, everybody but themselves for, you know, vacating the premises. Yeah. Um, if if you come into the market blind, right. you know, good luck. Right. Govology takes the blinders off. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's one thing that's amazed me as well is that some people just don't want to invest in the knowledge. But it's like if you don't have knowledge going into this market, I mean, you're going to be playing at a serious competitive disadvantage. And just all the little rules, there's actually a lot of competitive advantages built into the rules, just like we've talked about here today with the All Small Mentor Protege Program and that contracting exception that when you're in, that's just one thing. Right. But there's so much more. Yeah, or or the Maytock, you know, those types of vehicles where, you know, the dollar size is is daunting, but it's that's not a single award kind of gig. You know, you're not you're not going to get a fifty billion dollar order, right? You know, um, I think you know the major problem with that was only awarding to twelve, right? Um, yeah, that's right. So, Gene, so Gene we learned the lesson. Little, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, you do, and you and you had to recompete early. right? So there you go. Um, Final thoughts. You know, the final thoughts are just, uh, again, I just want uh, small businesses to really understand that uh, awareness level about what's happening out there. Uh, We actually have a a lot of uh, training that a lot of small businesses across the country can access because we have a lot of partnerships with procurement technical assistance centers. So if anyone wants to reach out to me, I'd always be happy to try to get them into the right direction um, a lot of uh, folks out there don't even know that they can also access uh, a big portion of Govology training at no cost to them. So uh, reach out to me. I'd be happy to direct you to the right Ex- places. Explore the platform. Right. Get started. Yeah. Acclimate yourself. There you go. Thank you, man. Thanks, Greatly Mark. appreciated. This is not my day job. As we've been discussing, some companies use LinkedIn well, others not so well. Others just are absolutely terrible. But only a few companies actually use it to the maximum advantage for them. So LinkedIn can help you uh, branding and company name recognition. It can help you with lead generation, uh, differentiation. And as Carol and I were talking about developing that SME position, finding key feds, there's 2.4, count that, 2.4 million feds now on LinkedIn. My new census will be out in January. Uh, And these are people you need to know. So if you want to learn more, drop me a line at markamtower at gmail.com. Happy to discuss. I've been doing training on LinkedIn for 10 years now, and I've been a member, God, 2004, man. What is that, 15? <laughs> 15 plus years. Sally. <laughs> uh, and thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.